Season three of Formative is brought to you by the generous support by Macy's Inc., whose purpose is to create a brighter future with bold representation for underrepresented youth so we can realize the full potential of every one of us. Welcome to Formative, the show where today's leaders are interviewed by the leaders of tomorrow. In this episode, we have Simone Harris-Laws, who's in charge of DEI, Marketing and Community Partnerships for Macy's. She's going to share with us how she got where she is and how she knows when it's important to take a step back and compromise. I'm Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge, and my co-host today is Angel from MS355Q. Angel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Angel. My dad named me after my grandmother, and I live in Queens. I am currently in the seventh grade. I go to Camps 355Q. My favorite subject is math, but I mostly like gym because it's one of my hobbies in basketball. I'm most excited to learn something new and meet new people. Awesome. Okay. Well, I don't want to wait any further. Let's bring in Miss Simone Harris Laws. And thanks so much for being here with us. Angel, what's your first question for Miss Simone? What have your professional experience been like? Oh, I love it. Thanks, Angels. My family had their own business growing up. So as a kid, I'll be honest with you, I worked for my mom and my dad. They owned like a transportation company. So think of it like a transportation company, especially for like elderly people who may need help or assistance, you know, with transportation to their like doctor visits or hospital visits or medical appointments. And so work growing up, my first professional experience, to be honest with you, was doing everything that they asked me to do, whether it was like stuffing envelopes, it was answering phone calls. My grandmother was like on the walkie talkie, giving instructions to the drivers. I'm telling them, all right, it's time to pick up, time to pick up. And sometimes she would let me get on the walkie talkie and do it, which was fun growing up. My first paid job though was at a library. So that was the first time I actually got like my own money. When working was when I was in high school and I worked in the summer at a library. So that was like my first time getting like a true professional experience. And then when I was in college, I also worked as like a receptionist for our athletics office. So you said you like gym class. So I worked for like the sports team at the college that I went to just to help them with answering phone calls and kind of in their office filing things and things like that. Simone, can you tell us a little bit about your role and your job at Macy's? Sure. I've been with Macy's now for 17 and a half years. So I've been with Macy's ever since I graduated from college, actually. And in my current role, I lead diversity, equity, and inclusion, marketing, and community partnerships. What does that mean? I'll break it down. Basically, what that means is I get to work with all of the marketing leaders to make sure that every like poster you see in our stores, everything you see on our Macy's app or on our website, it's my job alongside many other talented people at Macy's to say, whether you see an image, whether you see a message, whether you see a parade, do you feel like Macy sees you? You know, that you feel like, oh, I could shop there because I feel like there's someone that looks like me in the advertising that I see, right? My job is really to ensure that people feel a sense of belonging with Macy's, whether you're shopping with us in a store or whether you're shopping with us 
online or through the app. And I also work with a lot of cool organizations, New York Ed being one, but many other organizations as well that are all about how do we give back, like helping people, business owners, you know, grow their businesses or maybe helping youth get more visibility and have greater voices, you know, and just making sure we empower youth in all that we do. So I own some community partnership relationships in my role, but I also, again, the marketing piece is probably my biggest area of my job. I want people to look at us and be like, oh, wow, Macy's is a store for me. I feel comfortable. I feel like I'm welcomed when I come into the store. I feel like I'm respected when I shop at Macy's. I feel like I belong here. And so it's my job to make sure that comes across. Can you describe a typical day or week in the job? Yes. So I, I'm in a lot of meetings. I'm in a lot of meetings. I travel to Washington, D.C. probably like every three weeks, I would say, just because a lot of the events that I go to when I represent the company, happen to be in DC, which is just on the Amtrak, not too far away, right? But I would say my typical day or week in my job is if I had eight hours in a day, uh, the first two hours will probably be checking emails, getting a report on how are sales for the company from like the prior day. So I'm like, well, how did Macy's do? How were the Macy's stores? How was the sales on Macy's.com for customers who were shopping on our website, right? So I'm looking at like reports. I'm trying to respond to emails. And then I'm probably in meetings like six hours of my day. And these are like meetings where we're like planning a project, a program. For example, we just had about two months ago, a group of students kind of in your age come to our parade studio out in New Jersey so they can kind of see what it's like to put on a parade like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And so sometimes some of my meetings are helping the teams with the planning. And so a lot of the conversations I'm in as well is around like, how do I set goals for our teams for this next year? And sometimes there's a event in the nighttime hours that I have to go to to represent Macy's. It could be dinners or it could be conferences that I go to. And there are times where I have to speak on behalf of Macy's at these events, just to say, thank you so much for your support and here's why we're here. So it's really special and I'm honored that I can represent Macy's in a lot of these events as well. What's something you've done that before you did it, you were like, should I really do this? I would have to say, uh, moving to New York, there was a time in which I had to make a decision on whether I am going to move and leave my family, leave my close friends and make a decision to move to New York, which I know you're from New York, but I'm not from New York. And so New York is very different than where I was living in Ohio, right? And I'll be honest with you, I was very nervous about that, Angel. I was very nervous about the idea of physically not being around my family because that's like your support system, right? Because I'm a planner. I wrote out all of the pros and cons. So I wrote down all the reasons why I should take this job to move to New York. And I wrote down all the reasons why, what I was afraid of. You know what I mean? And you can imagine the things I had on my afraid list were things like being away from my mom, being away from my close friends, not knowing people, can I do the job? Like all these things I was afraid of, right? And then I wrote down the things that I was like, that were like, good reasons to move to New York. You know, I'm going to be around more diversity. It's a new opportunity at my job, more money, was more salary, right? I was dating someone who's now my husband, but like, you know, all of these things that I was thinking about, right? In my decision. 
And I decided to move to New York, right? I'm here. I was scared. I'm not going to lie. I was scared. And the first couple weeks and months of my job, there were times where I had just what you said, which was like, did I make the right decision? Did I, should I go back home? I don't know if I could do this, right? There were times I asked myself that question, but then I'm so grateful I had my friends from Ohio still were the ones telling me, Simone, good for you for doing something for yourself. Good for you for trying something new. Good for you for just like saying, you know what? I don't know. It's all going to end up, but you're trusting yourself and you're trying something new. And that was one of the things that for me growing up, it was hard to do. I didn't always want to try new things because I was afraid, right? But I tried something new by moving to New York and I have not regretted it for one second ever since. Sometimes you do have to just get it out. You have to get out what you're afraid of, write on a piece of paper what you're excited about. And talking to your mentors and talking to your friends, I think really helped me realize this was a good decision for me. Yeah, because the idea of doing it is good. But when you do it, you're like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Do you know the first time I thought that was when I got on the subway and I got on the wrong train. Oh my, and I ended up somewhere so far and I was like, oh, I can't do this no more. I was like, I'm ready to go back home. I'm used to driving and all of that stuff, right? There are moments, Angel, where it definitely happened the first few weeks after I'd moved here, but I'm not going to say that's the only time. There were moments that doubt, right, still happens. What do you tell yourself when you have those moments of like, ooh, did I really, should I be doing that? No, because when I'm going to do something that I know if I'm going to do, I'm going to get in trouble. The first thing I think of was my dad. Ah. Do I want to do this? If I get caught, I'm I'm done. You're done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. That's how I feel about my mom. That's a, that's a very good point, too. It's like sometimes I didn't want to disappoint people in my life. Right. And I think that's a very good point. Like sometimes what motivates me is making sure that I don't bring disappointment to my family, my parents, my loved ones who I know are rooting for me and want me to be happy and want me to achieve as well. So that's a good factor is like what motivates me sometimes is making sure I don't disappoint others. Is your current job your the job you want as a kid or your dream job? If not, what was your dream job at my age? 12 years old, right? Angel, that's how old you are? I wanted to be a lawyer and I have no idea why. I have no idea, Angel. I wish I knew. But for some reason, I think I was just probably watching a lot of TV and I just liked how like lawyers just came into a room and they seemed like they knew what they were talking about, right? So I think growing up, I liked the idea of being a lawyer. But as I got older and realized how much school <laughs> required, it's probably not the best thing I have to say in this moment, I decided I, that wasn't really for me. When you were 10, what did you imagine being an adult would be like? Always working. I think because I saw my parents constantly working. I just I was going to be a hard worker at whatever I was doing because I had that example. You know, I, in my mind, I thought to myself, I don't know what it's going to be, but I, I liked the style of having like what they call a nine to five, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. I was going to work in some type of corporate office of some sort. Like I always saw that for myself, just knew that whatever I had to do, you have to work hard at it. And I'm sure your basketball coach probably says the same thing, right? Like you just got to work hard. Don't give up. Keep pushing yourself. That's kind of what I saw for myself as well as an adult. How about you though, Angel? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Probably basketball player. Basketball player? Okay, cool. What's your favorite team? The Warriors or Lakers. Nice. Okay, okay. I like Golden State Warriors too. I do. Awesome. Why are mentors important to kids my age? 
So here's what I'll say to you. I feel like mentors are important because they it's beyond like your family, maybe that you know that you have. It's like this other set of people that are in your life that really want you to be happy. And I'll be honest with you, when I was your age, I don't think I realized that some of the people in my life were actually mentors to me. I think about like my cheerleading coach or I played volleyball. I loved to play when I was your age. And there are people that were in my life that were mentors because they were beyond my family. And there were people that really made it okay for me to like learn what was going on or something didn't go my way or something happened to me. Yes, you can talk to your family, but it was also nice to be able to talk to another group of people, whether it was coaches or maybe family friends that just really you look up to, you know, they help you kind of understand like what's happening here and maybe give you advice of how you can approach it next time. So I think mentors are important because it's kind of like an extra set of people in your life that want to see you achieve whatever you want to achieve. They're supporting you and you can learn a lot from them, you know, and take with you for the rest of your life. So Simone, can you tell us a little bit about a mentor and some things you learned from them? I would definitely say my seventh grade teacher, Mr. Thompson, was actually a big mentor to me. And I would say my cheerleading coach was also a mentor to me because I learned a lot by watching them as well. Like, oh, I wanted to be like that when I grow up or, oh, I like the way that they got everyone excited or I like the way that they checked people and made sure that they held us accountable, but it didn't make me feel bad. It was very still like, I could do this. They challenged me. So those are two people I can think of. My seventh grade teacher, Mr. Thompson, and then my cheerleading coach really challenged me in different ways. And I aspired to be like them when I grew up. Angel, can you think of a teacher or somebody in your life that you look up to? Yeah, my basketball coach. Because when I'm not doing good, he helps me and he tells me to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly why I brought up my cheerleading coach as well, Angel, because there are even times where I remember her words. I could hear her say things like, don't quit, Simone, don't quit. And I'm like so much older now than what you are. But I still remember like her voice in my head sometimes when I still feel like there are moments where I feel like quitting. You know what I mean? So I can totally relate when it's a coach in your life. You know, I get it. Yeah, I can think about my own basketball coach. He used to yell, a positive attitude is a down payment on an obligation to succeed. Woo, that's heavy. (laughs) Yeah. And meanwhile, we were really tired because we were running laps. So we didn't really. Nice. uh, It wasn't wasn't a time to throw that out. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah. So it sounds like you both have very powerful people in your life. Yeah. So Angel, what's your next question? What are some skills you gain in your career? I love to plan things, Angel. Like I'm a scheduler. And so for me, what's what they call like time management, I plan things out. If you can see like my calendar right now, you'll probably be like, oh my goodness. But I learned that throughout my career because it helps me best show up when I'm in meetings or when I'm at work. So I would say time management is a big one, like making sure, all right, if I got to do my homework, if I got to prepare, for a certain meeting or a certain project, how much time do I need to like carve out to make sure I do that? You know, I've gotten good at that over the years. And I think it's because I really love planning and scheduling. But the skill that I feel like I really like learned, Angel, is even though you might have a schedule and even though you might have a calendar, you gotta also be okay with like things that just come up that that aren't in your schedule. And I feel like that's something I've gained throughout my career is 
It's okay to have a schedule. It's okay to be a planner. But then you got to also leave room for things may not go as you thought they were going to go. And you got to be okay with that. You know, don't beat yourself up when it happens. And that wasn't easy for me to learn, Angel. But I think over time, I've gotten used to like planning things, but being okay if something doesn't go my way and not being too upset about it. (laughs) And the other one that one of my bosses used to tell me was a skill of mine. I didn't realize it about myself. Once I got older, I did. My boss said to me one time, you know what, Simone? You're someone that like, if you're in with a whole bunch of your friends and you all are at a table and let's say Rachel likes chocolate ice cream and Angel likes strawberry ice cream and Tasha likes blueberry ice cream and Zoland's vanilla, whatever. You find a way that everyone at the table might like their own ice cream, but you find a way to that everyone's going to end up liking this one type of ice cream. And part of it was, I think what he was really trying to get at was you recognize that everyone has their own like flavors that they like, but you have a way of maybe you got to mix a couple of these flavors together. You're, you're finding compromise, you collaborate. What he really was speaking to was one of my skills is being able to bring people together that might have very different point of views and somehow, some way trying to figure out a compromise or a consensus. Men always agree all the time, but I like to find the thing that we do have in common that we can agree on. And that's something that I bring to my job every day. What are some of your personal goals? I think still stay focused on trying new things, you know, and and getting out of my comfort zone and taking more risks. You know, I happened to lose a friend of mine. She passed away earlier this year. And I'll be honest with you, Angel, when that happened, I'd never lost a friend before. And not to sound like sad or like down, but I know that impacted me in terms of life is short and make every moment count, you know? like, And I used to hear people when I was younger say that, I'm just like, oh, what are they talking about? I don't know what they're talking about, right? Like, what do you mean life is short? But I finally experienced it this year. And so for me, some of my personal goals is just to make sure I stay healthy, like do what I can to stay healthy, eat well, and just taking more risks. Don't just say, oh, I don't wanna try that because whatever, like just try it. Like what's stopping me? Just do it, you know what I mean? So that's a personal goal of myself is to always have that type of mindset. What makes a team successful in your opinion? Yeah, I think the recipe for a successful team is finding and building a team of people that don't necessarily always think like you, you know? I think it's so easy that we attract people who are very much like us, right? Whether that's, you know, all boys, all girls, or all certain races or ethnicity, like, or ages, right? I think the best teams are the ones that have different backgrounds, ages, cultures at the table. And I also think what makes a successful team is when you have a group of people who are not afraid to speak their mind. They're not afraid of sharing their thoughts. They're not afraid of giving their opinion on something. To me, a team is strong when people feel like they can truly, truly, truly be themselves whenever they're with their fellow teammates, whether it's on the basketball court, whether it's in Macy's meetings, when people can feel like they can be themselves without fear of what people might say about them or judging them. I think that is a successful team because that is when you can, people bring out their best version of themselves. You see everybody's superpowers come into play and you can achieve your goals. So I say picking people on the team that are not always like you actually is a good thing to have because what you may not realize 
that you need something because you're so used to just thinking of things in your way. You know what I mean? I think those are the best teams when you have someone that doesn't look like you or act like you or have the same background as you as part of that team. What is the best way to build a great team? I think the best way to build a team is first you got to ask people if they want to be part of the team. <laughs> Not everybody wants to be part of the team. You know what I mean? Some people like to be kind of work in a very individual, like do their own thing. So I think the best way first to, to build a team is ask people, do you want to be a part of this team or what we're trying to do here? That's why it's important to understand how people's interests are and what they want to do. And don't make any assumptions. You know what I mean? So to me, that's the first step in building a team. I ask questions about like getting to know you. Like, is this a fit? Just because I'm someone's boss does not necessarily mean that I'm the only one that gets to ask questions. I love it when people ask me questions too, similar to what you're doing today, you know, because you're trying to get to learn another person to see if this is a good fit, you know, that we can work together. And sometimes it's hard like to like listen and truly just listen and not interject or not give your opinion about something, but it just takes practice. But I definitely feel like it's important to just listen without interrupting. I think it's important to listen because you want to learn something new and not because you're waiting for them to be quiet so that you can tell them what you think. You know what I mean? Do you feel like you're a pretty good listener? I listen to everything I hear. I can hear something from a mile away and I'm hearing you. Okay, good, good. All right. How do you motivate people to go an extra mile? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think it really depends on the person. It really depends on the person because Angel, what might motivate you might be different than what motivates Rachel. And so for me, it's important that I get to know in this case, like using you as an example, if that's okay, like I gotta get to know what Angel like cares about, like, you know, to see what motivates you or not, because it might be very different than what motivates Rachel. So for example, some people on my team love to be motivated by like publicly recognizing them. They love it when I send out an email to the entire team saying that Angel was awesome and this is what Angel did and have everybody like on the same email. You know, they like it when they are recognized in front of a group of other people. Some people that I've worked with prefer that you don't publicly recognize them in front of a whole bunch of people. And they just like it if you just send them a text one-on-one -on -one to say, hey, great job at that meeting that you did earlier today. So. It is about getting to know the person. Angel is my opinion. That's how I motivate people. It's getting to know them first. And then they'll just come to you as to what motivates them. But one thing I do make sure I do is that I don't just say things, Angel, like, great job. I want to be very specific about what was it about Angel that made it a great job. We don't tell each other enough, in my opinion, what people like are really good at. You know, I want to be very like, like clear and like detailed to why I feel like you did a great job. Do you ever get a chance to relax? If you do, what do you like to do? Ooh, I like, all right, don't laugh at me, Angel. Puzzles, I love puzzles. <laughs> you laugh, I told you not to laugh. <laughs> I love puzzles. I, puzzles, like, calm me down. I just like a good puzzle. I also love, Eating ice cream was another hobby in terms of what I do to relax. And I'll be honest with you, anytime I'm able to just like disconnect from my cell phone, I feel very relaxed. How about you, Angel? What do you do to like relax or have a good time? I play my Xbox on my iPad. Okay, cool. Do you have any hobby outside of work that helps you feel better? Yes. So one of 
the things I do outside of Macy's is that I um, I joined a sorority. Do you know what a sorority is? Familiar with it? So I joined a sorority, Sigma Gamma Rho sorority. This organization has a, over 100,000 women from all over the globe. And I joined when I was in college. And basically this is an organization that's all about like scholarships, doing community service, and just being like, sisterly kind to your fellow sorority sisters. And so I happen to still be a member of that sorority, 20 years active as a member. And so what I do outside of Macy's is I'm still very involved with that organization. We do community service programs together. We volunteer together. And that is something that brings me a lot of joy because it's another network of friends and sisters that I have that's outside of my own family. So Simone, do you want to describe the Divine Nine a little bit? Yeah. Would love to. So the Divine Nine is a group of nine historically Black founded organizations. Our sorority actually celebrated our 100 years anniversary just two weeks ago, actually. Some people think sororities and fraternities are just for college students. You can join when you're in college, but you can certainly be an alumni member as well. And they're all about making sure that we give back to our communities that we live in, make sure that like when time comes to vote, how do we get people out to exercise their right to vote? How do we make sure that we are our service kids championing those that are underrepresented and standing for something bigger than us? There's like over two and a half million members of the Divine Nine across the country. My particular sorority is about 100,000 people total, but it's a wonderful opportunity to like get community service experience, leadership experiences. There's conferences that you attend. I used to be an advisor for the undergraduate chapter at college. So there's just so many ways from a leadership perspective that you can grow as a member of one of these organizations. So I saved the best for last. Oh. What is the craziest thing you ever have done? This podcast. This is my first time doing a podcast. <laughs> this is my craziest thing oh. I've ever done. This is such a good question. I really don't know, Angel. Like I'm, I, and this podcast for me, I've never been interviewed by a student and a seventh grader. So to be honest with you, just doing this is different for me. I had a really good time just chatting it up with you. So and look, that's the craziest thing I've done recently. I don't know what else is crazy. What's the craziest thing you've done? Mm, I jumped from a slide that was like eight feet, nine feet up. You jumped? Like jumped off of it onto the ground? And you were okay? I like it. Okay, <laughs> I can do that too. So I'm afraid of height, so I probably wouldn't have done. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have done that. But I am so glad that you landed on two feet. <laughs> uh, two feet. I did. I did not land on two feet. No, no you didn't. Well, you're okay though, right? Yeah. So Simone, we ask all of our guests the same question at the end of the show. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your 13 year old self? You heard me mention before how much I value being a planner. And the advice I would say to my 13-year-old self was, it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. I would tell myself, it is like, stop putting so much pressure on yourself that you have to have everything figured out. You, you know, I never thought at 13 that I would be living in New York, that I'd be walking in the Macy Thanksgiving Day Parade. Never had I imagined, you know, that I would be in this seat where I have the opportunity to impact our diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies at Macy's at a time that we're in right now, right? And so I would tell my prior self, it's okay, you don't have everything figured out, but keep working hard, don't quit, like our coach and our mentor told us, and good things will come. 
Well, we're so grateful to you and we're grateful to your commitment to our kids at New York Edge. So thanks for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. This was really special. Really. Thank you so much. Angel, I really enjoyed meeting you. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Formative, a production of New York Edge. I'm your host, Rachel Gazdick. My co-host today was Angel from MS355Q in Queens. He was assisted by Olivia Colbert. Season three of Formative is brought to you by the generous support by Macy's Inc. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. This episode was produced by Tasha A.F. Lemley. Post-production by Alex Brower. Original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.